thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Hi there, this is Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread. This is episode 40. Woo! So we've reached something of a milestone today. Um, I I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these threads and make the comments that you do, and I, I really hope that this is helpful to you. I know that it's helpful to me on a number of fronts. One is I'm digging into God's Word so that I can share it with you. But secondly, you know, I've been a a teaching elder, a teaching pastor for 25 years. And in the last five years, God has called me into a more um, administrative role. And I am helping train uh, Asian leaders and train them to use media effectively, also assisting others as they start up media ministry operations like radio and TV stations and the such all over Asia, um, wherever God opens the door. And so uh, I don't have the outlet for this calling that I have, and so this is an important way for me to fulfill one of the reasons that I'm on the earth. So uh, together in God's Word today, uh, we're going to talk today about authority. As you grow in life, you're given positions of varying authority. You serve under people who have authority, and sometimes that's a wonderful experience because authority empowers you and it gives you confidence and it shelters you uh, when there's trouble, but sometimes being under authority is a horrible experience. Sometimes people don't lead forcefully enough because they don't feel authorized to lead, and uh, there's just a lot to look at uh, concerning this. So today we want to look at Jesus' words concerning the nature of spiritual authority. So if you don't have your Bible, run get one. Come right back with Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33 on thread. All right, let's jump into our passage today. Uh, Just to give you the background again, Christ, with great authority, has entered the temple, and he has shut down the temple business. These guys have made a, they have a money changer business that the priests have set up. They also have a kosher sacrifice business uh, that they can find uh, some fault with your sacrifice, and they can cause you to substitute for one of their animals, and, you know, why go through the hassle? So just go there and buy their animals. So they've got all these businesses operating, and Jesus has gone through the temple, and he has shut down their businesses single-handedly. He's kicked over the money changers' tables. He has, uh, you know, he's he's let things go, and he's, he's just messing up their, what they've set up. And so there's tension and he sits down on the steps of the temple, and he is making the temple his personal teaching place. So he stands there, and people come to him, and he teaches from the temple steps, you know. And so uh, tension is building because Christ is building the tension. He, every day he forces the religious establishment to look at certain issues, and he does it in public debate. And so today, the authorities send a delegation to him, and they've come to question him 
about stopping their business. And their question is, by what authority? By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do these things? That's verse 28. You know, by what authority? What is authority anyway? You know, and the question they're asking is, what is the boundary of your authority? Where does it extend to and where does it stop? And who gave it to you? We want to uh, check your credentials, and we want to check the credentials of those who have said they're authorizing you because the delegation, you know, they've come from the high priest himself who runs this business, and uh, they're the head of, you know, scribes and chief of the priests, the leaders, and the elders. Uh, And they're like, we didn't authorize you to do this. We want to know where your authority comes from. Now, both of their questions, what's the boundary of yours and who gave it to you, rightly assume that authority comes from outside ourselves. You don't authorize yourself. Um, Authority comes from a higher source. It has to come from a greater source than you, a source that has the right to rule over this matter. You know, it's not for me to just walk into a random church and take authority over that church because I say, well, I'm called into the ministry and I can, I have a right to be, to be in this pulpit and I have a right to lead this church. Well, no, I don't. You know, there's a group that does have the right. And, uh, you know, often that's a very disputed issue is to who can hire and fire a pastor, who can, you know, when things don't go well, that's when you want to know where the authority lies. Um, you know, it might be a, in a case of democracy, we would say, well, uh, my authority comes from the opinion of the majority of the people, the voting system that we've established so that the majority of the people can speak up, and then I am authorized by their opinion to do the thing that they they believe in or they want to happen. Maybe the system is a monarchy, and they would say, well, my authority comes from the power of my army. I've got the strongest army. Uh, Or, later in Europe, I have a divine right. I've been given an, uh, an authorization from God to be king, and you cannot question my right to be the king because God himself gave it to me. Uh, maybe you're just placed in a, an administrative role. Where did you get your authority? Well, it's the authority comes from usually the group controlling the cash, from the legal corporate board, whoever can sign legal documents, uh, and the law recognizes them as the directors of this group. That's authority. Well, now, this is purely human pecking order authority. It is often questioned in the world, um, you know, even disputed elections. Um, Often this kind of authority behaves in questionable ways, as we've seen in the authorities that Jesus has has run into day by day in his ministry. And yet, uh, however flawed it is, this system of human authority is pretty vital for having order in the world. There are times that um, even our family has been there in the Philippines or in Thailand or in Ukraine, and there has been confusion about authority. A group has risen up, and they have said, we have the authority. And there's, you know, there's a 
sometimes a violent confrontation and someone has to show their power and put the other group down. And once you do that, then you establish that you have authority by you know, whatever reasoning that you make. Um, you know, their question basically is what human group authorizes you to minister in this way? Um, and Jesus uses their question you know, as if to say, this is really a key issue. Let's talk about this. Authority, it's huge. So let's talk about it, and let me give you a case study. And he brings them a fresh case study. Uh, he brings in the case of John the Baptist in verse 29. He says, okay, let's talk about authority, and I'm going to ask you one question. And if you answer it, then I will tell you where my authority comes from. Verse 30, the baptism of John, or you could broaden it and understand it to mean the ministry that John had. Was it authorized? Was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. He's wanting them to understand divine authority because John had a real prophet's power at work through his ministry in their nation. He he was able to stir an entire nation and move them toward God, move them to do uh, big actions of repentance. These guys would come to him, and he refused to go to them. He wouldn't go even into the cities. He stayed out in the country area, and people would come to him, and he would preach to them there every day. And Roman soldiers came, Pharisees came, you know, people came to him going, what do I have to do to get right with God? They were stirred. They they came under authority. They came under John's, the power that was operating in John's ministry. Now, uh, you know, John didn't have any human group. John had, he didn't join an association. He wasn't authorized by the chief priest to go and preach like that. There isn't a group that had the authority to give him that authority. But John had power. He didn't have miracles. This is one of the amazing things. He didn't have miracles, and yet thousands of people did these dramatic, costly acts of repentance, and they experienced the joy of a changed life. And John expected this power to work. He took authority every day, and he used it forcefully to bring a national cleansing, house by house. The Old Testament prophet, speaking of this ministry that he had, said he will turn the hearts of the fathers back toward their children, and he will prepare the way for the Lord. You know, John had a big ministry, and he had absolute confidence in his authority to do his ministry, that it would work. It's the same authority that Old Testament prophets always came under. You know, there's never been a group that that you have to go to as a prophet and they verify you as a prophet and you get the seal of that group's authority. Well, let me not say that because you do have them today. You know, we've set up these human certifications of prophets and you can join the prophet's ministry but that's nonsense. Uh, in the Old Testament and in Bible times, God just raises up prophets. They have the gift from God. They have the anointing from God, and no one authorizes them because they have to speak to the system, and the system is not going to authorize them to speak to the system, whatever that is. They don't want to be judged 
for the way they've used their authority. God raises up his own authorities, and prophets have always stood. And the system turns and kills the prophet to silence his voice. And this happens over and over and over throughout human history. So he asked these clerics who did battle against John the Baptist also, who fought John just like they fought Jesus. And John has had a powerful ministry and in the end had his head cut off for his prophecy. And now Jesus has had a powerful ministry, adding miracles. And, and, uh, you know, the hand of God is so clearly on both of their lives. And he says, judge us. Did the authority in the ministry come from men, or did it come straight from God? And these guys in verse 33, they're clueless. They are proud, they are stubborn, they are spiritually blind. And here is one of the the great paradoxes. Well, I guess we should expect it. Demons are attracted to all places of power, and that's if it's power because they crave it. They want authority over the earth. So if you're talking about uh, any form of human government, you're going to have dark spiritual forces invade it and try to twist it and cause power and authority to be uh, perverted and cause justice to uh, be perverted so that the powerful get the justice the way they want it and, and they can use it as a law, I mean as a weapon against other people and it could be an educational system that it's kind of like the more you organize things and the more you give government to it, even the church, you know, when you establish a church that's got vertical authority, and then when you put two or three layers of this authority so that you've got a district overseer, overseer, national overseer, superintendent, up to the big, you know, whoever the top poobah is, you know, once you start setting that kind of system up, I don't know. I just think you're you're just in you're attracting. It's like a lightning rod for dark spiritual forces. Now you'd think that it's safer that way. That you'd say, well, let's get a lot of human authority on top of every single issue, and then we'll have good oversight, and we'll have a good man or woman uh, looking and protecting the flock. But in the end, it doesn't work that way. They get secretive. Money is secretly spent. There's positions, if there's positions, there's power, and even if there's no pay for these positions, just to have it. You know, and and I had a friend once that he was uh, campaigning a bit for a certain position uh, in our group, and as I was talking to him, he said, I don't even want it. And I said, well, why why do you push so hard for it? He says, I don't want it. I just don't want anybody else to get it because I don't know what they'll do to me. You know, so he had been through enough uh, bad experiences with human power that he would rather take on another load and another job that he didn't really want just to defend himself against other people hurting him through their authority, their human authority. The point that I think Jesus is making to these men, because, uh, you know, they reason among themselves and they say, well, if we say it was from God, he'll say, why didn't you follow him? And believe him because they they attack John just like they did Jesus. But in verse 32, they say, well, if we just say, oh, he was just a man doing man's thing. You know, he had nothing, no connection to God. Then now we're into, you know, PR. uh, They says they feared the people because all the people counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they refused to answer the question. They say, "Uh, we don't know. 
And Jesus answers and says, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. You know, so in other words, if you're going to close your eyes to it, if you're going to refuse to acknowledge that God authorizes people, that God himself lays his hands on people's lives uh, and calls them to do things for him, and that you can see it in their life. You see it in their work. The things they do are bigger than normal. They, they have a power. People get changed. The tree bears fruit. Uh, it, it has the characteristics of God. If you're around these people, they're like God, and their disciples are like God. There's, a, there's the, the, the joy of the Holy Spirit. There's the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And, you know, you can find that. You can find that in illiterate societies. You can find that among the elites of the world. When someone has a hand of God laid on their life, there is a mark that's placed on them, and their life shows divine authority. And when they raise up disciples, those disciples show divine authority in their life too. God's work must be run on God's authority, not you know, all these appeals to human authority, whether it's my diploma on the wall or the organization that I belong to. Um, you know, Paul in the New Testament, he expected authority. He had, he had a lot of confidence, and he speaks a lot about his authority as an apostle. He, uh, he had confidence in his authority. Parents have a divine moral authority. We don't need the government to issue rights to be the authority over our children. God gave it. Husbands have authority. Evangelists have authority. Exorcists have authority. And in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, in my name. And then he explains what we're to do. Take this gospel, baptize followers, uh, Preach the good news everywhere you go. Turn people from their dark ways. Pull them into the light. And then he says, do it without money. You've received it freely, so you give it freely. You need, and I need, to take authority and do with power what God has authorized us to do. There are things in my life that I have done that have not succeeded, but there are things that I have done that have more than succeeded. And I knew that I was called by God to do those things. There's you know, churches I've planted that God told me, go plant this church. And there's a great confidence and a swelling of faith. When you, re- when you realize that you've received uh, authority from God to do something, now does it mean you you won't have obstacles. No, you'll have a lot of obstacles. The devil's going to fight that work. But it means I've got God's, uh, not just permission, but I have authorization from him. We have authority over demon powers. We have authority over circumstance. We're able to speak to things with the authority of Jesus Christ because we've been given that authority. And anything that gets in the way of God's work, speak to it, bulldoze it, take your authority. He gave you authority to raise children who will reflect the character and image of God. So take authority and parent well. You know, let's not throw our hands up and say, oh, what can we do? The world's so evil. Take authority and raise godly children. Pour yourself out into the things that God has called you to do because you have received authority. 
God has a calling on your life. He has a purpose. He has things he wants you to do. And if you respect his authority, he will give you authority. And he'll give you authority that others will also follow. And you'll be able to attract a team that stays unified and moves together with you because everybody around you will recognize that you've been touched by God and they want they want to be near somebody who's not just engaged in human pursuits, but someone that God has, God has authorized. I've seen people with uh, orphanages, uh, mercy ministries of different kinds, church planning ministries, media ministries, you know, all different kinds of direct works for God's kingdom. And you just see the anointing on them. They are called by God to do the thing that they are doing. So know your calling and walk in God's authority today. Well, that's enough for today. Uh, if you'd like to connect to me and uh, ask me something or tell me something, uh, just write me directly, chuck at quinley.com. God bless you and give you more power and authority to do his work. See you next time on Thread. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org.